are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I want to talk about something that has been on my heart for a few months, and uh, on these first Thursdays, I'm able to open up a little bit more and dig in a little deeper, and tonight I want to teach. Is that all right? Can I teach you a little bit? Um, I, I don't tend to be preachy tonight. I don't think so anyway, and every time I say that, I end up preaching, but I do want to teach you some things. If, if you're a note taker, you're going to love tonight um, because you're going to have a lot of notes and a lot of scriptures to write down. So uh, sharpen your pencil, sharpen your thumbs, however you take notes, and get ready. I believe that so many Christians don't really understand what forgiveness is. Um, I'm convinced that if more people knew what real forgiveness looked like, they'd be much more willing to forgive instead of holding on to past hurts at an unhealthy level. Here's the truth today is this. Tonight and here, most all of us have been wounded. Most all of us have been hurt. Most all of us have been abused in some form, whether that be physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, Most of us in here have been taken advantage of at some point in our lives. Most of us have been betrayed, gossiped about, lied about, cheated on. And I'm here to tell you, if that was your first time, it won't be your last, right? Tonight, I want us to look at what forgiveness is, what forgiveness is. Whenever I hear someone say that they can't forgive someone, I realize that that person doesn't understand forgiveness. Because when you understand what forgiveness is, you're, you're more able to do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, before we get into what forgiveness is, I believe we need to look at a few misconceptions about forgiveness. So therefore, we're going to look at what forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Number one, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. To forgive someone doesn't mean the wrong against you doesn't hurt. It hurts when someone hurts you, right? It hurts when someone lies about you. Pain is pain. A broken heart hurts. Betrayal hurts. Abuse hurts. It will take time to heal. So forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. You hear some people, oh, you just need to get over it and move on. And I understand that statement. But we can't minimize the offense that was against someone. And we need to be more, not sympathetic, but we need, to, we need to empathize with people. Empathize means that 
I understand and I share in their feelings. We have a lot of people who are, you know, we sympathize. Well, I just feel bad for them. And we feel bad for people. We say that a lot. But we need to empathize with those people. That means we, 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 we get involved and we say, I understand at some level. Maybe I was never abused like that, but, but I want to hel- help you through this process. So we don't, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense because the reality is there's been some major offenses done to many of you in here, and it hurts. It hurts. And can I just say this? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. If you're waiting at the proper time to forgive somebody and you're waiting for this rush of feeling that, yay, I want to forgive the person who hurt me, guess what? It's not going to come. So forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Number two, forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. Trust must be built over a period of time. If people hurt you over and over again, the Bible says that you are obligated to forgive them, but you are not obligated to instantly trust them. Hmm? If someone steals from you, do you let them back in your house the next day? Now, you may forgive them, but I'm not going to trust you in my house. You stole something that was valuable to me, right? Rick Warren says this, Forgiveness must be immediate, whether a person asks for it, but trust must be rebuilt over time. Trust requires a track record. You are not expected to continue allowing them to hurt you. So number two, the forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. Number three is forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. Things must be different. Things can't be as deep as they were before in that relationship or that friendship. We can't be in the deep end right away. If a relationship is going to be restored, that offender must do three things. Number one, they must repent for what they did. Number two, they must offer restitution, which means a restoration of what's been stolen whether that is physical things or emotional things that have been stolen. And number three, there must be a rebuild of trust over a period of time. So forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. And forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. Are you with me so far? Now let's talk about what forgiveness is. Are you ready? Talk about what forgiveness is. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Here is the mixed bag of unforgiveness right here. Isn't it a beautiful bag? Don't you love dipping into this bag? No, you don't? Okay. Are you alive tonight? The mixed bag of unforgiveness contains bitterness and rage and anger. Have I described your home yet? I hope not. Brawling and slander along with every form of mouth. Have you ever realized someone who is angry and you've seen the reason they're angry is because they have not forgave someone? 
Hmm? Has that ever hit you? It, it clicks like, oh, that's why. That's why they haven't forgiven that past hurt. Goes on to say in verse 32, but be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving, let's read this last line, forgiving each other, let's try it one more time, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So the Bible says forgiveness is four things. I want to break this down tonight. Forgiveness is four things. Number one, forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. Say that with me tonight. Forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. It says forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, the love of Jesus Christ covers your sins, and it also gives you the power to let other people off the hook. You've been forgiven. Now you can forgive others. Hmm? But here li- herein lies the problem. If you don't feel forgiven, you won't want to forgive anyone else. If you don't have a revelation of how much Christ has forgiven you, it's very hard to forgive others. If you are always hard on yourself, you're going to be hard on others. If you don't forgive yourself for past failures, you won't want to forgive others. But the more grace you receive from God, the more gracious you're going to be to others. Have you ever ran into somebody? I know not in this church, but have you ever ran into somebody and they're so hard-nosed on everybody? They're so just determined that everybody is wrong and everybody's lifestyle and everybody's journey following Christ, they just pick them apart. Have you ever met somebody like that? Don't point, don't point. Have you ever met somebody like that? I have, right? Most of the time, those individuals are people that have not forgiven themselves. Haven't forgiven themselves. Something that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, they're still harboring that. They're still not releasing it to the Father. You know you don't have to hold on to that unforgiveness towards yourself, that you can release it. Amen? That's what Calvary was for, so that we can release it and give it to him, because he already paid the price for it. Forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. I put this on social media a few months ago, and I ran across it today. It says this, you lock yourself in your own prison when you don't forgive those that hurt you, isolating yourself from people, places, and the joy of life. What's the key to freedom? Forgiveness, just like Christ forgave you. Hmm? Unforgiveness can stop the destiny of God in your life. Unforgiveness can stop you from connecting, making the right God connections in your life. Unforgiveness can stop you from being around certain places. I know people who are at odds with family members. I, I, have, a, I have an acquaintance, and they're at odds with their family members. Don't worry, they don't live around here. They're in a different state. Don't try to figure it out. Like, who is it? And for two years... My friend has three kids, and his, grand, his parents have not seen his kids. And these are people who love God, but they can't release 
that unforgiveness. And it's the saddest thing that those little kids don't see their grandma and grandpa because of the animosity and the hurt and the anger between the family. Hmm? In Luke chapter 7, verse 47 and 48, there's the story of a woman who had a very sketchy past. Um, The Bible says that she was a prostitute, an immoral woman. And Jesus had been invited to the house of a Pharisee. We only find him in the house of a Pharisee maybe one other time in the Gospels. Usually he was yelling at them and condemning them for being so religious and and all this. But here we find him in this house and this woman comes and uh, this immoral woman and kind of interrupts this dinner party that the Pharisee is having for Jesus. And she breaks open this alabaster box and begins to worship Jesus right there. Interrupts the whole dinner party to worship Jesus. She was broken, and, and, and that's why she broke open this, this, this little container of perfume that was over a year's wages. It was worth a lot, but she came and she sought out Jesus why she needed forgiveness. Pharisees begin to argue, and they actually, one of them raised their voice and said, hey, hey, don't touch Jesus. You're unclean. You're immoral, and they tried to stop this whole process of this woman worshiping Jesus. And he tells them this. He says, I tell you, her sins, and yes, they are many, but they have been forgiven. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Here's this woman. She had been forgiven a lot, right? And so she was ready to love a lot, because she had been forgiven a lot. She had never really experienced true love. She had just experienced conditional love, right? She experienced conditional love, but this time it was different. And here they were criticizing her, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. She's been forgiven a lot, so she's loving a lot. When you've been forgiven, when I think about my record of sins, I can't help but to love him a lot. I can't help but to forgive others who hurt me because I look at how much I hurt him. Oh, maybe, maybe you can't identify with this. Maybe your life was perfect. Maybe it's perfect now. I don't know. But I think of all the wrongs, all the times I broke the father's heart, all the times I said things and said words that hurt other people. And he forgave me. He forgave me a lot. Now I can love a lot for, to other people. I can forgive other people because I've been forgiven. Huh? So number one, forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. Number two, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Oh, let's say this together. Forgiveness, come on, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Romans 12, 19 says this, dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Leave it to who? For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. Don't take the law into your own hands. Listen, I know life is not fair, right? But one day, God's going to settle the score. He's going to settle the score on your enemies. Yep, yes, he is. He's going to right the wrongs. So who can better... Who can get better justice, you or God? 
Hmm? Now, you can take it into your own hands, but usually when that happens, we usually tend to go towards the ways of the flesh, right? And we end up doing things and saying things in retaliation that end up hurting others and hurting ourselves. Yes, you do deserve to retaliate, I know, but you must commit not to do so, right? What they did to you was wrong. Now, 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 this whole, this whole relinquishing your right to get even, this is, this is not a one-time decision. This is a daily decision. This is an hourly decision. This is a minute-by-minute decision for some of us, right? Because we want to take the pen and hit this little vein right here in our enemy's neck, right? Have you ever wanted to get even with somebody? And you thought about the things you could do to get even with them. And you laid in your bed thinking, I could do this, this, and that. Oh, I could really get them if I did that. Oh, don't act like you're all holy up in here. Come on. You thought about doing some crazy stuff to your enemies. Some crazy stuff to the people who hurt you. Right? But we got to learn to relinquish our right to get even. Is this going to be easy? No, because your flesh and my flesh wants to give them what they deserve. You want to give them a piece of your mind. Will you stop giving out your mind? You ain't got much left. Dear God, some of you giving the person at the traffic light a piece of your mind. You weren't saying Jesus is number one with that finger. Somebody get that later. Hmm? Can I tell you that the Lord will fight for you? The Lord will fight your enemies. I, I love this story in, in Exodus chapter 14. And, and, and here the children of Moses have, have, are being chased down by Pharaoh and his army. And, and he, here they are. Here they are sandwiched between two impossibilities. Pharaoh's army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. Have you ever been sandwiched in between two impossibilities? Have you? Have you ever been sandwiched in between two impossibilities and you're like, God, uh, what do we do here? What's my options here? And God tells Moses this. He says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You won't have to lift a finger in your defense. I love that. He says, tell the people, Mo, Pastor Mo, tell the people that they don't have to fight that the Lord is going to fight for them, that, that, that all they got to do is stay calm. They don't even have to lift a finger in their defense, that God is going to fight my battles. Say, God is going to fight my enemies. He's going to do it. He's going to fight your enemies. It goes on, you know, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Here they got the word of the Lord, and then they're, they're still moping around, and God says, get moving. Get moving. I'm going to fight the battle. You know you got to keep moving if you're going to forgive people. You can't stay still. you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving and say, God, I give you this. I give you this person. I, I, I release them to you. I release this hurt to you. I release this offense to you. You know, my prayer is every day I release offenses. Some, some offenses I don't even know that I have in my heart. 
but I just release it. Lord, if there's any, any words that were spoken to me that, that I took offense to, I just release it right now, God. Any person that I hold unforgiveness towards, I just release it right now. And sometimes I know I've held unforgiveness. Sometimes I don't know. But I just release it to the Lord. Release it. Someone say release it. So number one, forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. Number two, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Number three, forgiveness is responding to evil with good. That's hard. Now, there's a lot of things in this Bible that aren't hard to do, but this is one for me. You want me to respond in a good manner towards someone who's been evil towards me? Is that what God's asking me to do? <clears throat> That's hard to swallow. Luke 6, 27 and 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I don't want to pray for them. I want to hurt them till they bleed. That's what I want to do when they hurt me. When people hurt my wife or my kids, I want to hurt them. I don't want to pray for them, Jesus. But he's saying, bless those. Pray for those who hurt you, who misuse you, who treat you in a wrong manner. Right? How can you tell when you've really forgiven somebody? How can you tell? Here's how. When you can look at that person's hurt, and not just your own hurt, and you can pray for God to bless him or her. You ask, how can I even do that for a person who's hurt me? Well, you can't do it unless you allow the love of God to penetrate your life. Only God's love can help you do something like that because God's love doesn't keep track of wrongs. Only God's love can help you. Don't wait on a feeling, like I said. You gotta allow God's love to work through you to repay good to the person who gave evil towards you. See, once I forgive them, I can stop looking at how they hurt me and start seeing why they did it. Because the truth is, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And if I can dig down a little deeper, I can see they've been hurt. That's why they hurt me. Mm -hmm. I can actually be sympathetic and begin to pray for them. And my prayer for them may or may not change them, but it will always, it will always change me. Now, confession time. You ready? This is my confession. Someone should write a song about that. I was prepping for this message this week, and I got to this point right here. I was good all the way up to this point. Um, understand this, when I get up to preach, um, I'm usually preaching from my life and what I've gone through, right, what I've learned in this journey. Um, I'm using what I'm dealing, amen? I'm using what I'm dealing. 
I got to this point, and I always try to examine my heart, whatever the message is, and, and make sure my heart's right. And I got to this point, and I said, man, I'm pretty good, God. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, you're not. I was like, oh, man, don't bring up that. You know that, that thing that you're thinking about, that thing that brought you here tonight when you seen I was talking about unforgiveness, that. And he brought up that individual, that individual who hurt me, that individual who talked evil against me and my wife and my family, that individual that I had intense moments of fellowship with, that individual that I had thoughts of hurting. I know you never had that, but pray for your pastor. That individual that I said I forgave them until I got to this point. And I read the point again, and the Holy Spirit was like, no, read it again. Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. I said, God, I already forgave that individual. He said, no, you didn't, because you're still talking about the hurt that that individual caused you. And you're, you're, you're still bringing it up, and you're not praying for them. You're cursing them. You're talking about, oh, well, they're that way because of this. And you're bringing it up in conversation with your wife. Well, that person's this way because they got this attitude and they got this and they're, they're never gonna have this in life. You're cursing them. You're not blessing them. So you haven't released that person. I sat there. I put the pin down. I put the pin down and I said, God, you're right. And I released that individual right then. I released that individual right then. I thought I had released them. But God said, no, not until you can start praying for them have you released them. Praying for blessings, not praying that they would get hit by a Mack truck. That's what I was praying, right? Praying that God will bless them. Praying that God will heal them from them inner hurts that they had. And so it it helped me. It changed me, amen? Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. The last point. We'll wrap this up. Forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary. Let's say that together. Forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. What he was saying is, How long do you have to keep forgiving a person? As long as it takes. You keep forgiving that person until the pain stops, until the desire to get revenge goes away. You know what forgiveness is? It's setting the prisoner free and realizing the prisoner was you. You hold yourself in a prison when you hold that person with unforgiveness. I love this because when Peter approached Jesus about this issue of forgiveness, he offers up a number, and it's more than just a number. He says seven times, and you have to go back and study Judaism, and Judaism was, um, they, they they said that forgiving someone three times was a sufficient number. So in Judaism, three times was enough. So Peter offered seven, which is over twice the requirement of the law, a generous offer at least Peter's thinking. But Jesus instead says, no, actually, I'm going to raise the stakes and tells Peter, 
No, not seven times, but 70, 77 times. You can almost see Peter's jaw dropping, right? Jesus is getting this point across that it's not a numbers game. It's a heart issue. It's not about a math problem. It's about marking it. It's not about marking something off of a checklist. It's about living a lifestyle of love and grace. Hmm? Our, our world operates totally in opposition to this principle, doesn't it? We depend on give and take. We depend on balance and counterbalance and debts and credits. We love keeping score, which begins to look like a toxic game of tug of war. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. You treated me nicely, so I'll treat you nicely. You offended me, so I'm going to offend you. You were mean to my kids, so I'm going to be mean to your kids. You had an attitude with me last Sunday, so this Sunday I'm going to give you attitude. Hello. The problem with this is that when you keep scoring a relationship, everyone loses. It's sad to see marriages keep score. It's sad that spouses have a checklist of the wrongs that their spouse committed. And they very frequently in the moments of heat arguments bring up that list. No one wins when we keep score. No one wins. And Jesus is saying, I don't even keep score. (laughs) Actually, I don't even remember what you did. When you did it, because I get selective amnesia when it comes to your sins. Huh? He says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed your your transgressions from you. Another scripture says he's thrown our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He forgot about them, but we love taking the fishing pole and going fishing and bringing them back up to remind our friends, our relationships, our spouses of those sins. Hmm? That's why Jesus said, no, 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 Peter, you got it wrong. You were thinking you were good because you went double above what the law said to forgive back in those days three times. Jesus said, no, 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 I want you to give, forgive 70 times seven. I, I want you to forgive all the time. I want you to forgive often. I don't want you to hold that over somebody's head. I want you to release that individual. Listen, in every relationship, there's one thing for certain. Both you and the other person will be imperfect. You will both mess up. You will both make mistakes. You will both need to apologize. Rather than keeping score, though, try try keeping a commitment to forgive. Can we do that as a church? As a family, as a body, we can allow little petty offenses to get in, little things. They looked at me wrong. They said this. I don't know what they meant. And our perception becomes the reality of the situation. Perception is not always reality. It's just what you perceive of the individual or the conversation that you just had. Did you hear that? So you can look at somebody and they got this weird look on their face. And you think they're mad at you, but really they had bad Mexican food last night and they got gas and diarrhea. 
It happens. We all get diarrhea at times. Nobody's mad at you. Keep coming to the church. (laughs) You'd be surprised at the emails and the conversations I have with people on why they're leaving the church. I'm like, really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Wow. Couldn't you came up with something a little bigger than that? (laughs) Huh? So so can, can we be those who walk with a spirit of forgiveness, can we? Even when it hurts, because it's going to hurt when people hurt us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt when people misuse us and lie about us. Even in the church, it happens, okay? Even in the church, it happens. You're going to get hurt here. You're going to get hurt. There is no perfect church. The church is a place of imperfect people, and when imperfect people show up, there's a lot of messiness that goes on. That's the beauty, (laughs) the beautiful mess of the church, right? We all bring our messes to the foot of the cross. We all bring our struggles to the foot of the cross, and we say, God, we need you on this journey. We need you more than anything. So my prayer for all of us is these four things, that forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. Forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. And forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary, as long as it takes, as long as it takes. Why? Because Jesus forgave me, and now I can forgive others. I can do it. Someone say, I can do it. If he forgave you, you can forgive them of that. Doesn't mean they're back in my circle. It doesn't mean they're back in the trust factor, right? It doesn't mean I'm hanging out, watching the Super Bowl with them. But I can forgive them. I can release them. And I can pray over them that God would bless them. Amen. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, you've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision, but just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, change me, in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.